We are in our series called Run the Race, being the servant leader in today's culture is the focal point for what we're going to talk about today. And I want to remind you, as I said last week, this is a challenge not to just elders and deacons or those who may desire to be an elder or deacon, but this is a challenge to elders, deacons, and you as a Christian, uh, as a kingdom worker, if you will. And I got to thinking about all this. When most people think about uh, church elders, church leaders, they think of an official church board. We tend to, to think of things differently, and, and we think of lay officials or influential people who are in the local church. They sometimes think of elders as the policy makers or deacons as just the financial advisors and administrators or maybe just, the, in general, the main fundraisers for the church or, or just advisors to the minister. Uh, generally speaking, for some reason, it seems in our culture today, we really don't expect church leaders, church elders and deacons to to teach the word, to, to be involved in the lives of the people uh, like they were intended. It seems to me the requirements of an elder have become somewhat forgotten or made maybe not to be as important as how much we like someone. And, and so because uh, of these different church growth models that we have, what, what I see, and again, this is just my generalization and, and kind of a trend that I see, um, other, other churches, so to speak, other other. Um, organizations, as you grow, the philosophy is uh, just hire a teaching pastor, and then, and then that's their job. Hire a shepherding pastor, and that's, that's their job. Hire a small groups pastor, that's their job. Hire a fellowship pastor, that's their job. And, and, and we kind of sometimes seem to compartmentalize those attributes and those requirements of, of elder and deacon and church leader uh, to just a hired position. Now, there's some things that shouldn't be hired out. Paul knew this to be true. He spent a lot of time writing letters and instruction to churches concerning things like church leadership and how they should lead. And we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures uh, throughout this month, but especially today. And so we're going to start right off according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Um, elders especially should be shepherd elders. They should shepherd the flock of God. Look at what this says. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Paul says here, shepherd the flock, so, so let's talk about that. What is the shepherd and sheep relationship, if you will? What does that look like? And I think that this, this concept of shepherd and sheep is a great picture for us to look at, considering for a minute the Palestinian shepherd. We're going to look at David here in just a second, but the Palestinian shepherd is characterized by intimacy, by tenderness, by concern for his sheep, by the skill that he has to provide for them, by being willing to put in the hard work, even suffering on behalf of his sheep. Uh, you may think, well, how does a shepherd sh uh, suffer for his sheep? Um, if you know any shepherds, or I did some studying on actual shepherds, and, and one of the ways they would suffer is, is they have to go out before the sheep and tend to the field. There are a lot of thorns and thistles and things like that that sheep will just eat, not paying attention. And so they're going to go out and they're going to pull those and they're going to clean. They're going to they're clean out a well or a natural spring so that the sheep can safely drink. They're going to go out before them and they're going to do this hard work to prepare a place for them. 
And so the, the shepherd is also characterized by love. You don't work hard for something you don't care about or someone you don't care about. And so I think love, is, as, as we look to being servant leaders in today's culture, love is, is pivotal to that. Uh, Derek J. Tidball writes in his book, Skillful, Skillful Shepherds, uh, it is a subtle blend of authority and care to be a skillful shepherd. And as much toughness is required as tenderness. As much courage is required as comfort. You see, the shepherd-sheep relationship is repeatedly described throughout the Bible. It just, it's used to describe God and his loving care for his people. But in Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 10, we also see a harsh warning, if you will, a prophecy against the shepherds of Israel of what will happen if they're not doing what's required of them. It's, it goes like this. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. You eat the fat. Excuse me, I missed a verse. Um, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Verse 7, Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Hear the word of the Lord. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves, he says. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. They may not be food for them. A sharp contrast to this is how David describes the Lord as shepherd. This is the kind of shepherd, the servant leader, that we should strive to be. Psalm 23 verses 1 through 2 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, what a difference. According to this example, someone who chooses to be in pastoral leadership, an elder, if you will, a deacon, should protect the flock. 
They should be spiritually alert. They should be courageous. They should have a love for God's people. But what do these things look like? What does it look like for a man, a human, to protect the flock, the human flock, the sheeple? I'll, I'll talk about the sheeple. That's sheep people. That's God's people. That's us. We're sheeple. I made that word up. I like it. You can use it. You can share it with your friends. Uh, but what does it look like for us to protect the sheeple, to protect the flock? You see, when Paul was leaving Asia Minor, he summoned the elders of the church in Ephesus to say goodbye to them. And he left them with this charge. And the essence of it was real simple. It was guard the flock. Listen to Acts 20, verses 28 through 31. He says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul says, guard the flock. Here's the thing. The servant leader can only guard the flock if he himself is spiritually alert. I think spiritually, being spiritually alert is needed in our culture today probably more than ever. A good shepherd is always on the alert to possible dangers. They understand the importance of acting wisely and quickly when needed. And shepherd elders must be spiritually alert. Here I will repeat Acts 20 verses 30 and 31. And from among, you, among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. Be alert. We have to be watching what's coming from our community, from our culture. We have to be prepared in knowing scripture. We have to be spiritually prepared to act on that, to protect the flock. The servant leader must also be courageous. I get that example of, of a courageous servant leader from David, the young man shepherd who challenged Goliath. Listen, you, you may be familiar with the story. Maybe you're not. It's in, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to talk about it just a second, and I'm going to pick up towards the end. David is, is a shepherd. He's, he's tending the flocks of his father, Jesse. He's taking care of the sheep. But part of his job was to go from, from the sheep to the battle lines and take bread and cheese and, and supplies to his brothers who were fighting in the army. And, and so he would do that, and then he would report back to his dad and let him know what's going on. And one day, he's going with, with the, the uh, supplies, the, the, the meat, or excuse me, the cheese and the bread. He's taking it to his brothers. And he hears Goliath challenging the armies of God, calling them names, calling them out. And he, he hears Goliath making these statements. And, and David, in his heart, he's just broken. He said, who is this guy that's going to defile the army of the living God? And he, he, he gets an audience before the king, and he says, king, you need to let me go fight this guy. I will fight Goliath. And the king says, you can't. You're just a shepherd. He says, nonetheless, he said, as a shepherd, watching out for my father's flock, a lion came, a bear came. And when they came to attack the sheep, I grabbed the lion by his mane. He actually says, by his beard. And I killed the lion with my bare hands. I did the same thing with a bear. When a bear came to attack my father's sheep, I killed it with my bare hands. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he can defile the army of the living God? He said, the same God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. 
You see, David took everything he had learned from being an actual shepherd and he put it into practice in his life right here, right now on the battlefield. He goes before King Saul and he says, I, God is going gonna, is gonna to provide what I need to beat him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. This is verse 32. Let no man's heart fail because of him. I'm talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are just a youth. He has been a man of war since his youth. But David said to Saul, here it is, because I tend to elaborate and, and exaggerate a little bit. So here's what David said. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. When there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. The rest of the story unfolds. David comes to the battle line. Goliath begins to make fun of him. David puts a rock in his sling. He approaches, he, he swings, he lets the rock go. It hits Goliath in the head and he dies. You see, the servant leader has to be courageous. They have to step up into situations sometimes that, that aren't always comfortable. But David knew that the same God who delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear would deliver him from the hands of Goliath, the Philistine. Not only does a servant leader need to be spiritually alert, they need to be courageous. But I think more than that, or, or as much as that equal to that, the servant leader must also have an unconditional love for God's people. Especially when we think of God's people as sheeple. Because sheep do silly things. And we do silly things a lot of times. 2 Samuel 12, 1-15. Uh, just a real quick reference if you want to look that up. Um, Nathan the prophet loved David with this unconditional love. And, and it's, it's evident in, in that story in 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 15. Um, David, or Nathan came to David after he had killed um, Uriah the Hittite, after he had sinned with Bathsheba. And, and he made accountability with him by telling him a story and by pointing out his sin. He never condemned David. He just brought into David's life an understanding of the sin that David had committed. And when David realized that, he laid himself out before God in repentance, asking for restoration. And so that's a snapshot of that unconditional love that servant leaders need to bring to God's people. Nathan the prophet did it for David. He talked him through a very hard sin in his life and he loved him through it. And he, and he walked with him through the, the, the restoration part of it, the accountability. It's not always easy to do, but that's part of that courage. It's part of that, uh, of being um, uh, spiritually alert. It's part of that unconditional love. Also in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 4, Paul's writing a second letter to the church in Corinth. Listen to what he writes to them in this verse. He says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of my heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. He wrote two different letters to the church in Corinth. And, and he says in the second one, I did this, I, 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 it pained my heart, but I did this out of the abundant love. I want you to know the abundant love I have for you. Paul shows us that time and time again, the love of the one who loves his sheep, loves his work, and loves his role as a shepherd. 
And remember what he wrote to them in his first letter about love in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have, no, have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7 says this, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face... Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Folks, without love, the eldership is an empty shell. Without love, an elder is a, a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal, a spiritual zero. I, I say all the time, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the servant leader... That is the pastoral shepherd elder should love his sheeple more than anything else. That should be the reason he desires the position. That's the secret to being a servant leader in today's culture. A good shepherd loves his sheeple and he loves to be with him. The best elders love their sheeple. They love to be with them. They look for ways to be involved with them. I think this is the best virtue of the servant leader. Self-sacrificing love for those that we are called to serve. Last week, I challenged that elders should be praying for their people. I also challenged that as Christians, we should be praying for our elders. And we should be praying for each other. For our community. For our leaders. And for our response time this morning, I want to challenge you all to this. As you're watching, and as we sing our response song, I just want to ask your family to pray for our leadership team here at Huntsville Christian Church to pray for our current elders and deacons, as well as those who will step forward in the future to be servant leaders here in the church and within our community. Even if you don't know their names, just simply ask God to lead the servant leaders at Huntsville Christian Church, to give them wisdom and discernment, a desire to continue to follow God's lead, to do God's will. And so as we take a moment to reflect on God's words, will you join me and respond to God's word in prayer for our leadership team as the praise team sings our response song this morning.